The Jets had four yards in the second half of Sunday's game. Four! We break down the 18-10 loss to the Bills, dropping gangrene to a lowly 0-7 on this nightmare season. Did Dow Loggins calling plays make any difference? We also chat with former Jets tight end and analyst Anthony Becht about the team's struggles, believing in Sam Darnold, and what culture Herm Edwards brought to his Jets teams. All that and more next on Gangs All Year from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown, Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to Gangs All Here wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, you can give us that five-star rating, write in a nice review. Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever else you find your pods. Joining us in the second half of today's show will be former Jets receiver who hosts a multitude of podcasts, and he's a great analyst, Anthony Beck, but cause the New York Jets find a way to lose again, 18 to 10. They're 0 and 7 on the season. I actually had more alcoholic beverages in the second half than the Jets had points, um, which is pretty hard to pull off. Four yards total in the second half. After a first half where you saw a little bit of, you know, momentum, you saw um, Dow Loggins become the play caller. That was kind of late news. Before we get into everything that happened, when did this happen? When did you find out that Loggins was taking over? And what were your initial thoughts uh, when you heard the news? I mean, they made the decision early last week. They practiced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with Loggins calling not not every single play because I think, you know, Gase did some of the stuff in practice, but Loggins was kind of easing his way in in practice. Uh, I found out about it uh, before the game yesterday. Uh, I got a tip about it and reported it before, right before the game started. But I know everyone thinks Adam Gase is fired and dead man walking, but he's still trying to find answers. He's still trying to come up with something to spark this team. And I, I think, you know, Jake, if you know how much Adam Gase likes calling plays, and I know every, the fans are screaming right now, but he's not good at it. But he, lo- he this is his identity. This is what he does. This is how he made his bones in the NFL. For him to give that up uh, had to be tough for him. Uh, I can't imagine this was an easy decision for him. But it just shows, you know, he's just trying something. And it looked like it worked for a little while. It looked good. And the, the first drive, I think, was 10 plays. They ended up kicking a field goal. They had another nice touchdown drive. Uh, and then everything went back to being normal <laughs> in the second half. Yeah. At first, everyone, you know, I was there tweeting, oh, man. Man, it worked. Coincidence. And then second half is like, all right, karma's a bitch. Don't say anything too early. Uh, four yards in the second. I mean, it was a 10-0 Jets lead in the second quarter, and I would thought the apocalypse was coming upon us. And then in the second half, like you said, they looked like a different team. And a lot of that changed when it was 10-3 and towards the end of the first half in that final minute. Sam Darnold makes an inexcusable throw, and we, we always talk about that one play. Sometimes it's two, which is crazy that you got to think that two plays is great. Uh, but it was that one play on third and 20 where he found Braxton Berrios, a terrific throw in the corner, stays in bounds. Um, that was the, the Darnold play. And unfortunately, we're only seeing one or two. And we really need to be seeing, you know, eight or nine for him to have a chance to win football games. And we're not seeing it. That throw, Kaz, you can't make it at the end of the first half. Throw the ball away. You know, he threw it to a guy who they called up off the practice squad. 
that, that's inexcusable, and that really shifted a lot of momentum going into halftime. Yeah, it was it was a terrible decision. I mean, it's kind of a similar throw to the one you referenced, the third and twenty that worked. So I, I think Sam might have been thinking that might have been the back of Sam's head. They made the throw once, but we talk about the weapons, we talk about the offensive line. That was Sam. Like that was just a terrible decision. Continues to struggle. It's hard to evaluate him because of what is what's around him. But I, it's hard to make an argument for them to stick by him if they get the number one pick to me, Jake. And the other thing, you know, you talk about 10, nothing, it should have been more, you know, (laughs) don't settle for the field goal on the first drive, convert the fourth and one, and you can hate the play call, but the middle of the offensive line should be able to move the defensive line one yard off the ball to get, to get a yard. They should be able to, and they didn't. So they, they don't get points on that drive. So Buffalo was giving them chance after chance after chance and credit the Jets defense for keeping Buffalo out of the end zone, but they were moving the ball really well. You know, some of this was self-imposed by Buffalo blowing up. They gave the just a chance to win so i mean imagine if you know instead of 10 nothing it's 21 nothing right now you're rolling and now they're really feeling good i think 10 6 going into the locker room they were like "Uh uh-oh you know (laughs) this is we have a lead but it doesn't feel too good and they just scored like I just think they, they left too many points on the field in the first half. Yeah, and that's when the Bills coming in without four tight ends on the COVID list. And luckily, Tyler Croft, uh, you know, his his daughter's birth essentially saved him from going to that COVID-19 list. And he has a nice game with 64 yards. So, the, you know, you only need one tight end. You really need none to beat the Jets at this point. And, you know, the Jets' defense wasn't even half bad. You know, forced him to six field goals. Uh, Bass missed two of them. Um, so, you know, if he makes two, then is this is more of a lopsided game it turns out being the Jets uh, only lost by one possession all season because the defense for the most part kind of held its own and uh, the offense once again didn't really show up for him yeah I'm not gonna go crazy on the defense Jake they they didn't force a punt the entire game they dropped about three interceptions I think I mean they played they played well they played better than they have they held them the field goals. They got the fumble down there in the red zone. But uh, obviously, this game is not on them. This is on the this is on the offense. You, you've got to score more than ten points. You got to have more than four yards in the second half. They had no answers for the Bills blitzing. They just seemed lost. And receivers were not getting open. You know, the offensive line takes a lot of the blame, but the receivers just these receivers can't get open. Denzel Mims is playing his first game. Had four catches. I'm not going to get on him. They're missed. They missed. They really missed Crowder, who's a guy that Sam can look for on third down. But Brashad Perriman, I know he got hurt at the end of the game. They really miscalculated this guy, Jake. And I think they were rolling the dice that he had these five great games in Tampa last year. And if they rolled him out this year and played him more, he could build off of that. He's done nothing. Nothing. I mean, where is the stretching the field that this guy is supposed to provide? He, I know he had an ankle injury for a little while, but. That, that to me, is the gross miscalculation of the offseason was thinking he could replace Robbie Anderson in his offense. Yeah, it seemed like that was kind of the cheaper option they went with. They were hoping for lightning in a bottle, and they certainly have not gotten it, because um, and they're not, I and mean, we'll talk with the former tight end about it later, getting zero, absolutely zero production at a tight end, which is frustrating for a quarterback back like Darnold, who you hope for, you know, an occasional check down option. It hasn't been there. And the one target for Herndon ended up in a big penalty. And, you know, he had the catch and the penalty happens. But, you know, when you're getting nothing out of your tight ends, when your quarterback's making bad decisions, you know, the run game wasn't atrocious. I know P. Ryan uh, had the majority of the snaps, which I liked. I think you tweeted out, what was it, 70% of the snaps went to P. Ryan, 28 to Gore. Um, they both had 11 carries. You saw some, you know, sh- shades from P. Ryan. He had two catches as well. Um, so it's nice to see Mims and P. Ryan out there and playing and playing a majority of the snaps and doing something. 
But in the end, they're just, you know, there's not enough around them. And, you know, you're, you're looking for positives out of this team. And guys playing and doing something has become a positive, which is really the tale of a, a team that's, you know, bound for a 1-15 or 0-16 season. Yeah, the, you know, moral victory. <laughs> you know, you can say there are no moral victories, but there are with this team. When you're this bad, you're looking for any signs of progress. And, I, you know, there were some signs on Sunday. I'm sure fans don't want too many signs. They don't want too many wins. They're, they're dreaming of Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, I don't, I don't think uh, this could be this week could be a regression, Jake. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later in the week with the Chiefs playing the Chiefs. But 20 and a half point underdogs. Very high number. Yeah. And I mean, they were that last year against the Patriots and they ended up covering. So we'll see if they can cover that number. Uh, the, the Chiefs, I didn't watch the Chiefs game yesterday, but I saw the final score. And they, they ran over the, the Broncos. I looked up at one point and saw Le'Veon Bell's 16-yard run and said, oh, boy, <laughs> here we go. More bad news for the Jets. But he ended up, on, I think, with 39 yards on six carries. So, so not too much there. I'm sure he'll have more this week against the Jets. But, uh, yeah, it's Jake, I, I just don't know where they go from here. Uh, I, I think, like you said, it's good to see Piran and Mims out there. I think they just need to play these younger guys. I think they need to try to – see what they have in Herndon uh, and get him involved. And we'll talk about that with Anthony Beck later, but you know, it's just, it's so grim right now. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see logins call games down the road. Maybe he just do what he did in the first half. Don't, you know, throw the second half tape in the garbage, you know, burn that tape up and never show it again because that second half performance was terrible. Here's the thing, Jake. It's not uh, what yesterday proved is it's not play calling. It's not play. It's players. And, if I'm a defensive coordinator, it's not hard to game plan against the Jets. They can't beat you one-on-one. They cannot win one-on-one matchups. So all they're doing is they're playing man-to-man because the receivers can't win, and then they're blitzing in the middle. They, the Jets can't keep a defense honest. Watch the Jets' defense. They can't blitz because their cornerbacks can't cover the wide receivers. So Greg Williams is playing the soft zone. Everyone's down the field. Don't get the ball thrown over your head. Give up a ton of stuff underneath so Cole Beasley can have – 25 catches for 80 yards or whatever he had, you know, and the tight ends can beat you. They're giving up that soft stuff in the middle because they have to help over the top. The Jets offense doesn't see that. The Jets offense sees one safety in the middle of the field, cornerbacks man to man, and then everyone else is blitzing and they can't win. They can't, they have to, they have to hit a deep ball at some point to keep a defense honest and they haven't done it. Yeah. And they're also, you know, they're giving up, you're letting quarterbacks run. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is pretty damn good at that himself. Josh Allen at 61. And like you said, Beasley, 11 for 112, you know, 12 targets, 11 catches. It's nice to see a guy target a lot and making all the catches. The Jets don't really have anyone that can attest for that. He's not being targeted, Jay. He's not being targeted. He's just open in the zone. I mean, that's not targets. That's, you know, everyone talks about targets. It's it's Josh Allen's reading his progression. They did a decent job against Diggs because they decided, okay, Diggs isn't going to beat us, so let's roll coverage to him. Well, that that left Beasley open, and Josh Allen wisely went to him. And the Jets, and like the Jets, kind of had that when Crowder's on the field. He's the one guy that can then do that, and they missed him yesterday. Sam goes to him a lot, or or when Flacco is in there. But you know, they really—I don't know when Crowder's going to be back. Uh, I don't know how many weeks this is, this injury is going to be. It's a groin injury that can take a little while. 
I imagine he's going to miss this game. So uh, they, they really missed him yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Crowder would only maybe help you cover the spread. He's not helping you beat the Chiefs, <laughs> but maybe he gets you to lose by 20 instead of 40. Uh, so uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about that game later in the week on Thursday, but it was nice to take Dr. Cause's advice and, you know, have some alcohol on Sunday, enjoy the day, and not be locked in and yelling at the TV because you really how many need- yards? How many yards would the Jets have to have had to – outpace your drinks uh probably nine maybe ten i don't remember actually i mean i i I hopped around a couple bars so uh i don't remember the total but yeah they probably at least eight yards nine yards would have got the job done uh unfortunate but uh, i did enjoy a lot of i had my you know we're gonna have to get food recommendations at some point in the show the jets being so bad so i did have incredible french onion soup that they have in a story at this place trussell i get uh so it is just unbelievable and Big ass pretzels. Think of Oktoberfest, those soft pretzels. You get you get a New York pretzel on the streets. This is about three times the size of that. So I did eat well. I did drink well. You ate that by yourself? No, no, no. I'm, I am I am oh. fat, but not that fat. I did share it with a couple okay. friends. So uh, it was a nice day. It was enjoyable to not uh you know punch myself in the face over the Jets' offense for the second half. Uh, a guy who will not make you punch yourself in the face will join us next. The smooth sounds. A former Jets tight end, Anthony Becht, right here on Gangs All Here. Joining us next is a tight end who the Jets picked in the first round in 2000 out of West Virginia. He played five seasons with the Jets from 2000 through 2004, where he had the best years of his NFL career. He played 11 years in the NFL. He also played for the Bucks, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Chiefs. He's a terrific NFL and college football analyst and a tight end guru. You can catch his multitude of podcasts that he's doing, Spittin' Fire with Becht and Grassa, his Jets podcast, Becht's Flight Plan. And if you're interested in the Antonio Brown-led uh, Bucks, you can also listen to Walking the Plank wherever you get podcasts. You'll catch him also on the Jets pre- and post-game. On their social media channels, it's number 88, tight end Anthony Becht. Becht, welcome to Gangs All Here, man. I know you were on last year, but welcome back. How are you, man? Doing well, man. You know, just uh, enjoying the enjoying the weather and and the peacefulness down here in Tampa. It seems to be a bit of a, a almost a it's like a poor man's title town right now with uh, the <laughs> Lightning winning and maybe you know I got my Rays hat on, which nobody will see, but they can they can hear me uh, talk about it. But you know, we got the Rays going in, and hey, we got the Buccaneers. But of course, I work and cover and more dialed in than one of those teams out there that maybe isn't having as much luck as the Jets. So. Uh, but other than that, man, things are going well for me. Thank you. You went from spit and fire to replace the P with an H because that's what you, you did to New York sports right there. I mean, Tampa's at the <laughs> highest of highs. They got Antonio Brown coming to town, Tom Brady. He's got enough receivers, Hall of Fame receivers, uh, Hall of Fame tight end, um, and the Jets have not won a game. It is the polar opposite here. What did you see yesterday with a second half that was led by its grand total of four yards of offense? Yeah, that's mind-boggling. I don't know if I've ever been a part of or covered a game. I think people were talking about the Patriots only having 58 yards in the first half. I mean, hell, four yards in the second half. Sam Darnold, only one completion. Uh, You know, no real – they weren't able to really convert on uh, moving the chains. And I think the most difficult thing was, you know, the the first half was really good. I mean, you know, it was only 10 points. 
But again, as as me as the analyst, as I look at it, it's the best I've seen them as far as being clean. You know, Sam looked as if he had not missed a game or two since he's you know since he's been out. He was on point. He was accurate. The running game was really good. The line came off, and then the second half, for some reason, the Bills made adjustments, and the, and it looked like the Jets as if. They were anticipating the Bills weren't going to make adjustments, and they did. And it was very obvious on what they were trying to do in the second half, and they had no answers. And unfortunately, mixed that with some penalties, some uh, some botched protections, and that that's what leads you into a second half that really was just a punt fest for them. And, uh, you know, look, look, the defense overall did well, but every drive was at least a field goal for the Bills. And, you know, okay, we want to hold teams to field goals, but you also want to get off the field <laughs> And you want to have some three and outs, and they didn't have that either. So it just wasn't very complimentary, I guess. You know, in, the, in, the, in really the second half of the game. Yeah, I'm still not sure if the Bills have a punter because we, we didn't yeah. see him at all. And we were talking about in the press box after the game because it was, it was our our standards now are so low, and we we have to do these report cards, you know, right after the game. And I'm like, wow, this is like the first week I'm not giving all Fs. Uh, all season and i'm like you know i gave the defense a c and and someone was like a c up there like you didn't give my touchdowns i'm like they go 420 yards and they didn't force one punt you know yeah that's mm-hmm. c the standards are getting so low Anthony. <laughs> with this team you take anything you can get at this point i'm curious what you see from this offensive line when you watch it because that to me was the most troubling part of yesterday they they had no answers when the bills were blitzing uh and it just looked like that that's all they did in the second half yeah, I mean, look, Mackay Becton is, is obviously going to be a force. It was good to see him back in the game, you know, give him another game to get kind of back, get some of that rust off. He's a dominant guy out there. They did yeah. play with him a little bit. When Mackay Becton gets his hands on somebody, it's kind of a done deal. It's over, right? So they tried to put some smaller guys in front of him and then kind of pull out a, a defensive end and then bring a small guy and just kind of try to confuse guys up front. You don't necessarily have to beat them physicality wise with your guys it's just how you set things up and then you know not having Alex Lewis a physical presence at the guard position didn't help them at all you know Andrews to me is you know he is what he is he's a backup he had a couple penalties you know he's not the most stout guy as far as you know being in there but he is a backup player and you have to work with him um, second half, they had a couple misprotections and, you know, George fan on the right side on the second half, when they were trying to convert, Sam got, uh, sacked on that play and you saw a free guy come off the edge. They basically dropped the lineman and brought the, uh, brought the safety off the edge. And that's just a replacement for the, for the tackle. It's not on the running back. Michael P Ryan's on the other side. And, uh, that, that's a botched protection there. And then you also had a penalty on Becton. Well, you actually had two penalties when they Herndon caught the first down uh, to yeah. move the chains and get more snaps, potentially be a drive that they could score on. Uh, that you got Beckton not lined up on this little ticky tacky penalty there. I wouldn't have called it. I mean, to me, that's not a big deal, but you know, that prevented them. But you know, those little mistakes, a little protection here and there, not getting great push, and it didn't really have the intensity of the first half in the second half. And you know, it's been really, you know, we can pick apart everything, but the team hasn't started fast in general in all aspects. They finally do that. And then they come out at, at, at flat at halftime, which doesn't make sense to me because you finally have a chance, you know, even though it's 10-6 and it's close and you're in a game, but you're in a game. I mean, that's what you want. I think if any Jet fan can say anything, you talk about glimmers of hope, you know, for me going into the game, it's like get the game to the fourth quarter. Let's see if they can do something. 
And they weren't able to do that, even though they had those chances. They couldn't convert offensively. It was disheartening. It was, it was tough to watch. But your best receiver, your best playmaker wasn't playing either. That That's also tough to deal with as well, among other things that they're dealing with offensively. Yeah, and, you know, sticking kind of the offensive line moving right over is where you played as tight end is Chris Herndon has been non-existent. Um, he did nothing yesterday. Griffin did nothing yesterday. What's your thoughts on this uh, Jets tight end core and uh, really not getting enough production out of them? Mind-blowing. I, I don't understand, you know. And look, Chris Herndon's not a guy that's going to k- k- take a game over, but he's good enough to get open. He's good enough to at least get targets to. I, I'm a big fan of just, you know, look, if you if you draft the tight end, you want to be successful, you got to find – my perfect example is 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 Witten. Witten was not a highly drafted guy, but Bill Parcells force-fed him the ball early on in his career. And look at him. He got a 1,000 catches. I mean, I'm not saying that's that's Herndon, but Herndon has to have activity throughout the game. Two targets a quarter to me would be a real nice – setting standard for him because he is a guy that's a mismatch problem he he does have good hands he is an athletic guy that can make the plays but he is that kind of guy that will fall asleep in a game if he's not active and, and that's the problem right now he doesn't have a real grasp and concept of just having the clarity throughout a game to be uh, a factor and and i think sometimes you have to push the buttons for guys to be factors and i think it's important you know it's it's one thing in the framework of a play you call Okay, you're always an option. You're you're not, may not be the one, but you're if you get open, you have a possibility of getting getting the football. But you also have to have packages where okay, on my play sheet, here's Herndon. Okay, these are the plays that okay, he's got a high probability of getting the football. You have to have those things in place. You know, to me, he's just running routes within the framework of the offense. There is no okay, go find the ball, go get him. And I think he can be an important piece for this team, and it's disappointing. Because you're seeing the trajectory. Everybody thinks he's failing. Everybody thinks he's not good. You know, the tight ends in general over the history of the team. It's never been a guy, you know. So it's just, it's you got to get the guy the ball, give him chances. Okay, he drops a ball. I get it. We're all pissed. But at the same token, he's got to go out there and he's got to get another chance. Let him go out. He can do it. It's just, you know, I think it's it works on both ends. And right now I'm not seeing the, the targets there for him right now to be productive my thing with tight ends anthony and maybe this will offend you (laughs) as a tight end but i always think tight ends are a function of a good offense like i don't see good tight ends in a bad offense anywhere in the league like you 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 can look at the best tight ends they're all part of usually a very good offense and i I just feel like this offense has just been there's been no rhythm there's just they just get nothing going they have no identity and part of that is the tight ends and i think i think they did get mad with herndon after some of the drops and obviously they played Griffin more that one week, but they're back. Herndon Herndon had more snaps than Griffin yesterday. And I saw a play last week where he was wide. He ran a really nice jerk route in the middle of the field and Flacco missed them, you know? And it was like, there's stuff like that. That's just like, they're just not getting him the ball. Well, it just feels like, you know, other than a few drives, nothing is working for this offense. And we focus on Herndon because we focused on him, you know, and I'm guilty of this as, as anyone in the preseason as, Oh, this guy could be, a huge weapon for the Jets this year. He looked great in training camp. And I agree with you. I, they, the priorities now are not, you know, there's no playoffs. <laughs> so the priorities now are different. It's it's similar to like getting P. Ryan involved more, getting Mims involved more. Herndon should be part of that too. He's not a rookie, but he should be part of like, this guy could be part of our future. Let's figure out what we have in the next 10 weeks and get him the ball. The, the unfortunate part for the Jets now is they don't have a get right game on the schedule. 
and, and they get the Chiefs now. What would you what would your message be, Anthony, if you were coaching this team where where they're going up against the defending Super Bowl champions with all those weapons? Within the framework of just the coaching staff's meetings, my 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 message would say, you know, talking to the trainer, are we fully healthy? How close are we to getting everybody on the field? You know, I want to see this team with all their skill available skill position players available. I think Denzel Mins was a nice beginning for him. I mean, let's be honest, four catches, 40. It was all in the first half. You know, he yeah. didn't show any explosion or anything like that, but I think he's just getting his feet wet. And that was great. I, I like the fact it was important to get him targets in that game because I want to see him kind of kickstart this team and be a, a p- potential guy. But then, okay, no Crowder. Now Crowder will probably come back next week, and then all of a sudden you lose potentially Perryman for a week yeah. if it's in the concussion protocol. So it's like, man, you got to have a break somewhere. I want to see all the pieces there. I want to properly analyze this team. I don't want to have just microcosm, just little things all over the place where, okay, well, they got to execute. These guys aren't supposed to be out there. That's just the bottom line. And, you know, you can't make that as an excuse, but it's, it's been treacherous offensively. Now, as far as getting ready for the Chiefs, uh, you know, you got to do a couple things, okay? One, you got to you got to be able to continue drives, move the chains. You got to do things that you normally haven't done right now. And that, that's a big, big question mark. Now, the Chiefs defense is not very good, so they're going to have some opportunities. And I think they just got to be strategic. They have to be clean. They don't have room for error. They can't not pick up a protection or be fooled by something. They have to run the ball effectively like they did in the first half. Whatever you did in the first half, duplicate it. And then try to steal some things from these other teams that what they're doing that's been successful. Chargers had success. Uh, They were in a close game uh, versus the Bills. Find out little things you can get and try to keep the ball away from their offense. When Mahomes and the the Chiefs offense get the ball, it's just there's no way that you're going to be able to stop these guys. You know, you just want to try to – Keep them off the field as much as possible. Make them earn everything. Don't let them go over the top. And that's tough because you got a movement quarterback that, you know, if he moves, now it's you start getting out of the box a little bit. It's, it puts a lot of pressure on DBs and linebackers. Do you commit to him? Do you, do you suck up or does he throw the ball over you? So you have a lot of issues to deal with with this team. Look, they're not going to beat the Chiefs, all right? But you can do things to get better. I do believe they can beat the Patriots, though. So, I, you know, a lot of people, oh, they're going to go 0-16. I don't see that. They're going to they're gonna find a way to get a game or two or maybe three at this point. But it's not going to happen until they have a fully stocked, healthy skill position set there that's out there and be able to play. And to go back to what you said about Herndon, I think that's where Herndon will excel. When all the pieces are there, now he becomes a factor because, you know, who are you going to pick? I mean, we're, we're not talking about these pieces are going to be great, but they are the guys that are supposed to be starters in the NFL, and that's what you need. Well, I, I heard a game or two, and I was fine. Once you said three, I was like, no, no tra- Trevor Lawrence. Well, yeah, I mean, that's another that's another <laughs> conversation for sure. But, you know, look, I, we'll see what happens. I mean. Do you want uh, Trevor Lawrence? You're a college football analyst as well. Do you think, you know, he's the answer for this franchise? Obviously, they need a thousand other things, but do, do you want him? It's a tough decision. It really is. You know, Trevor Lawrence has the best of the best around him in college. Remember that, okay? He He's not playing around with chopped liver guys. He's getting five-star, best lineman, best running back. I mean, he is the best running back, ETN, in the backfield. Uh, you know, Amari Rodgers, these guys are blowing by DBs every single week. There is no defense. It's either Clemson messes it up because it's on them or they just dominate the entire game. It's a little different in the league. Now, we've seen success. The problem is you're seeing success, instant success with a lot of these rookie quarterbacks that are coming in. That puts a little pressure on, OK, well, he's better. We all probably think Trevor Lawrence may be better than a whole crew that came out this year. So it's like, where does he lie? Uh, you still got to have pieces around him. You got to still have, have weapons. I truly believe Sam's done enough for me to show me that if he has p- 
pieces around him and he has guys and, and, and some of the skill set that he has, he can be a winning quarterback in the NFL. But you do have to sit back and say, OK, well, if we're talking about a generational quarterback, you know, an Andrew Luck category kind of guy, where do you go? You know, where do what do you do? But imagine this, if you do have the first pick and I want to get too much on this, but if you have the first pick of the NFL draft, if you do decide to, to keep Sam, man. You got a ton of draft picks. You got literally a Herschel Walker in the making kind of trade at number one. A lot of things Joe Douglas is going to have on his plate for the first time ever outside of this draft that he had. And I think he had a good draft this year. So, you know, free agency, you got a lot of one-year guys. There wasn't really anybody out there to, that you could say, you know, we should have go grab that guy. Maybe, you know, you could have overpaid for a defensive end, a Clowney or Ngagwe or got a trade or something done because you do need a pass rusher. That's got to be something a pass rusher, you know, a, a corner and, and and several playmakers and, and some build some depth. But at the end of the day, you're really not thinking about injuries for your team. You're thinking about the starters, the guys that are out there. And it's a tough deal, man. This, this team has been banged up. I feel bad. It's it's tough to watch sometimes because when I watch the film, you're like, oh, well, they should have executed. And then you put it all together and you think, well, OK, Cage was out there. You know, Barrios is a solid player. But, you know, th these are the kind of bodies that he's that he's working with. It's just a tough thing. And your linemen get hurt and, and Beckton's out. I mean, that's a huge drop off. When you're talking about Beckton, you're like, he's not just the best rookie tackle. He may be a top five tackle in the league right now, and you don't have that guy for a couple games. So it, it is a tough situation. And then, of course, you guys know in the media in, in, in New York, you're going to put fire on everything else. I mean, that's just how it works. I was there. I've been there. I've seen it. I mean, you know, with Herm at one, I think it was 01, or we started like two and five. I mean, you felt it. Everybody just, you know, the pressure's there. We found a way, but I don't know if this team's going to find a way, but we got to find ways to evaluate properly the biggest positions on the team. Yeah, the Sam evaluation is so hard, Anthony. And, you know, obviously I go <laughs> week to week with it, about trying to evaluate him. And I, and I was looking at PFF this morning. And they had a pretty oh, damn okay. stack. <laughs> they had a pretty, but no, it's not great. It's not, it's, it's not the great. It's not the grades or anything like that. They they had him when he when he had, was free from pressure yesterday. He was seven for eighteen for fifty nine yards and two interceptions. That's with no pressure. They said that's going to be the worst clean pocket passing rater in the NFL this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, that the, the interception before halftime. I, I don't care if I'm out there running routes. You don't throw, don't throw that ball. Like that's not on the line. That's not on the Poor receiver. Decision. There's that's no doubt. It could be on the coach a little bit. I think, you know, I, I don't think, you know, that was the greatest um, play design. But, yeah, I mean, you just see these decisions. And I feel like I feel like there's one play a week you get from Sam. And that makes you go, wow, wow. And, you know, yesterday it was third and 20. And he completes a 22-yard yeah, pass. It's a very beautiful pass. You're like, holy cow. And it's like just enough to dangle out there that you still keep believing. But there's no decision for me if they end up with the number one pick. You take Trevor Lawrence because – Sam could be a winning quarterback in the NFL. I agree with you. He's never going to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to win you Super Bowls. And I think Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't watch a ton of college football, and I understand your point about Clemson. If if everyone's saying he's Elway and Manning and Luck, do you I'm think, thinking, do you I'm think that Joe guy. Barrow's going to win Super Bowls with the Bengals? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, do you I think, mean, he's yeah. Do you think they're going to find three more linemen that are that good to put on their team without maybe drafting them more off the streets? I mean, who knows, in, in 10 years or something like that? So <laughs> but, 10 yeah. years, he's going to get a Super Bowl. I mean, so Joe Burrow, I think we all think that Joe Burrow is a pretty damn good quarterback. I mean, he's yes. playing well, but... What, what yeah, you need stuff around him. It's, you absolutely yeah, need stuff I mean, around it's, him. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a... It is a tough deal. There's no you can get yeah. enamored with the college star. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, but you know. I guess my point is, I don't think Sam. Like, I know Jets fans' worst fears is Sam Darnold is going to go 
to let's say Pittsburgh, right? Ben Roethlisberger reti- retires and he goes to Pittsburgh and he's going to win Super Bowls there. I think he's going to, if he goes to Pittsburgh, he'll look like pick, pick a, you know, middle of the road quarterback in the NFL. I think he'll look like that. I don't think he's going to look suddenly look like Patrick Mahomes in that offense. I don't think so. I mean, there's only one Patrick Mahomes. He's not, he's, there's no doubt. Uh, let's see what happens. You know, I'm still the, the jury's still out. There's plenty of games. I want to see all the weapons out there and it can't be just, okay, here's the week. They're all back. It's got, you know, it's going to take a week after that to kind of get it done. I mean, he's got to practice with the guys. You know, some of these guys are playing. They're not even practicing. I mean, think about that. I mean, it's just like, you know, you're practicing all week, throwing a ball to Jeff Smith. And he doesn't even have a target because, you know, two guys couldn't practice because their ankle or their groin. It's a tough deal, man. And we can say, you know, everybody's dealing with it. And, you know, around the league, it's in tour. Let's be honest, man. It's been tragic. I mean, it's been tragic across the board for the Jets. And I'm never going to make excuses. Yeah, I work for him. But I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, the football's not been good. There's no doubt about it. But I also want to see it. Can it be better with the pieces in place? Yeah, I don't know if in, you know, the next eight, nine games, we could see Sam Darnold transform and he's the guy. So me and Kaz don't agree a lot, but we do agree that Trevor Lawrence, uh, the Jets really can't pass him. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a couple one-win teams. The Falcons find new ways to lose every week. It's unbelievable what they've been doing and how bad that, bad they've been as well um although they are competing um i'm curious we talk a lot uh ab about you know a ceo like head coach that the jets need and maybe it's eric b but there's not many you know bill parcells and guys like that kind of out there in the wings you went from al Gro to herman edwards um after your rookie season what was that culture what did herman edwards instill confidence kind of swagger to him uh that kind of made you guys i guess you could call a winner you made the playoffs three times under Herm, but what, what kind of culture did he bring in in 2001? Well, you know, Al Groh to me was, uh, you know, a little bit of a Parcells kind of wannabe coach. I, I, you know, Al Groh is one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. Even to this day, he calls games for ESPN. I love having conversations with him because he just understands the game. He sees things that people don't, even at the age and experience he has. He just understands it. Now, when I was playing and the practices and the pads and the things that we did were just, I didn't know any better, but it just seemed like the test of Verdes of the world, the Brian Coxes, the Mo Lewis was like scratching their head every day. Like, what are we doing out here? But remember, we did start off pretty good. We just kind of got a little tired at the end of the season. Uh, but to bounce in, you know, it's a Herm's era. You know, look, I think Herm, when he first came in, I think guys thought, you know, this guy is guys that honest, he's truthful. He tells you how it is. You, know, you kind of know where you stand. But the one thing about Herman, listen, I mean, it was his first head coaching gig. You know, how many games did we lose because of management? I mean, you know, he was still trying to learn on the on the job, but yet we did have some good teams around him. We made a push finally a couple of years in. And and that's kind of because of the fact that we, you know, had some good players. We had a good line. You know, I mean, we just had some things came together for us in general. I, I don't know if the culture changed. I just think that our team got better overall as a group. We, we played with great balance and we did some things and, and of course, you know, and then after that 04 season, you know, kind of broke it up, you know, and, and it kind of went a different direction. And then it didn't get bounced back till Rex Ryan came in. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I think, you know, Herm did a good job. I love Herm. Herm's a great, he's one of my best, he's a, a good friend of mine. I mean, but, you know, I think in general, you know, he was still learning on the job and we were just a really good team around it that just, you know, we we had some pieces in place to make it make it happen and make it right. So. You know, I guess how you're asking me how that relates maybe now or you're, you're trying to lead into should there be a coaching change? I mean, again, that's all something that everyone's being evaluated from the top to the bottom. I think the only safe party here is Joe Douglas, in my opinion. Uh, you know, his draft picks have been good. 
You know, he didn't go out and spend a ton of money on any free agents. If you want to knock him for anything, okay, it looks like Robbie Anderson would have been a nice guy to keep in place. But I will say this, you know, Robbie Anderson went to a place where basically he's playing for his for his dad. Right? People don't understand Matt Rule when he was with him at Temple. You know, the kid got kicked off the team. He had a bunch of issues. He brought him back. He was a father figure for this kid. Right? So this kid's going to go there. He's going to he's going to lay it on the line. He's going to do everything he can to make it right for him. And so you're seeing the best of Robbie Anderson right now because of that. I don't know if that works anywhere else, to be quite honest with you so as much as i want to have a guy like him every week catching 100 yards we do have that guy right crowder's pretty much at 100 yards every single week so it's not like we're missing anything and we need a deep threat that that's for for sure but you know he's not available right now so um you know perryman hasn't been that guy he just hasn't been healthy for whatever reason and that's kind of a deal with his whole career i mean he played well for the buccaneers last year at the end of the season but he's not the same dude so uh, it's just been tough to tough to watch. Jake throwing some shade at Al Groh here. Uh, Jake, I want to point out that there's two coaches in the history of this franchise that have a winning record, and Al Groh is one of them. I didn't throw Bill shade Parcells at him. Bill Parcells is the other. Groh went nine and seven, and then he, he ran off to Virginia in the middle of the night. But he did finish nine and seven that year. So you know, study up before I you start throwing shade, shade I at just Al Groh. I just know about Herm a little bit more and just his character. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Were we nine game. and four? We needed one more win or something. We lost Ravens. The, the Ravens. Yeah, well, I remember. Yeah, that, obviously, yeah. yeah, we came out smoking. It was fourteen. Yeah. Heck, I had the first catch of the game. I thought I had two catches in the first two series. I thought I was going to lead the team in receptions. Ended up having two catches <laughs> for the game. But we had a lot of good play. Richie Anderson is huge, and then of course, you know, the special teams was a bit of a blunder uh, against them. And then then he didn't have a great game uh, yeah. moving forward after that fourteen nothing lead, but. Anthony, I wanted to ask you about the other team you you watched down there in Tampa Bay. And speaking of former Jets coaches, uh, I keep reading glowing praise about Todd Bowles and his defense down there. <laughs> you watch Todd here. You watch Todd there. Is this an example of you know you can be you can be a good coach. You need good players though too to to get it done. I love Todd, man. Uh, you know he's an excellent. He's the best defensive coordinator in the league. Period. Um, you know what he's done down here in Tampa has been unbelievable. Look, he's he's got a huge playbook that that's very effective when everybody's on the same page and he gets them to play on the same page. You know, I wish it worked out for Todd in New York. You know, I don't know. You know, just talking with Todd. I mean, I, you know, I just think New York that being a head coach up there and just kind of the the other stuff made it difficult for him to enjoy it. Uh, but it didn't take away of what he could do defensively and 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 really build. And look, they have a Dude, the defense in the Bucs, I mean, just go top to bottom. I mean, they got studs everywhere. Defensive line's unbelievable. You know, the 20 stack sack guy with JPP on the other side who had half of that, which is pretty incredible. You know, Sue and these players are dominant up front. And they got the two best inside linebackers in the game, period. Lamonte David, he doesn't get enough love. Nobody talks about him. Put his numbers against anybody in the NFL since he's been in the league. Who's better? I mean, I saw some stat. It was pretty sick. You know, Brian Urlacher was on and all these all, – Derek Brooks, all these guys were on there in their first eight season in the NFL. He, he's in, ahead of all these guys in all these statistics. It's just – it's unreal. And uh, they're secondary. They went out and, you know, drafted a ton of corners the last couple of years, and, and they went through some ups and downs. And finally got a coach in place that could coach them up, get them right. And now they look like collectively maybe the best unit in the NFL. I mean, they just are really good, aggressive, fast – that that Jets job was his last head coach job. He's never going to do that again unless Bruce Arians retires. He'll take that over. He wants to be he'll be the highest paid coordinator for the rest of his career as long as he's uh, you know in the NFL. And I think that's what he'll do. Yeah, I just read a good really good feature on Todd by Dan Dan Pompey at the Athletic wrote a really nice feature about Todd. And I was because I agree with you. I don't think Todd wants to be a head coach again. But he had a quote in there. The situation would have to be perfect. Is it the right situation? So yeah, I guess taking over for for Bruce would be something. And and I can tell you what made Todd's experience in New York not enjoyable. Mike McCagnan 
And that's what oh, that's what How many podcasts have you had just on him? I mean, gosh, you know, you just uh, just a nightmare. I mean, him and I mean, the last two GMs been a nightmare. I mean, it's just it's sad. Uh, you know, Mike was, I, I've had many engagements with him, just kind of a different dude, uh, you know, money ball kind of guy, I guess sometimes. And it's just kind of, you know, I don't know. You, no, but, he threw the money around, Anthony. He wasn't money ball. He, yeah, I guess you're right. It, in that, in that sense, poorly. Yeah, he spent it poorly on Tremaine Johnson and on yeah. Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, he, he the Revis contract, Muhammad Wilkerson, we could go you're on right. and on. The bad yeah, contracts yeah. he threw out there. Oh, the, the glory days. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, over under uh, backed on Antonio Brown. How many games does he last in a Bucks oh, uniform? Man. You know, I don't know. You know, this kid, this guy's a cancer. I mean, look, he's look football wise, he's one of the best ever. I mean, you know, six straight hundred yard plus hundred reception seasons. Uh, you know, just the last eighteen months is just tragic. I mean, the guy is just a complete uh, mess. Uh, you know, he not a, and on the field and off the field. I mean, he's embarrassing. I'm shocked that they made this sign. You know, uh, B.A. was talking about he's just an insurance policy. He can't have enough guys, plus he's a pro bowler. Yeah, I get that. But you really think he's going to stand on the sidelines and wait his turn and not want to play? I mean, you know, he's clearly going to have better skill set than some of those guys, but they're meshing well. You know, people don't know about Scotty Miller. He led the team in receptions and yards this uh, yesterday. I mean, the guy's really coming into his own. He's becoming the Edelman of the Bucks. And, uh, you know, Mike Evans and, and Godwin. Now, they've had some guys hurt. You know, Godwin's missed some games. Evans been banged up. It's good to have that piece. But how are you going to put him in there and not take away from what you've already built? I mean, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, it's it's nice to have a guy. You don't have a lot of money tied into him. But I don't know. We'll see how they're, they're used. I don't like it. They don't need him. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to use him on return, which could be exciting, I guess. But, uh, you know, if, if he just wants to come back and just be part of a, a team to just be a, a guy that, needs to be ready to go and they're not going to ask him to do more than maybe he wants to do, then I don't know. I don't see him being a backup, right? I mean, he's a guy that wants to play. So maybe he has changed. You know, Bruce Arian said he's mature now. Well, how do you know? <laughs> I mean, where is he? You know, I haven't nobody's heard from him. I don't know what he's been doing. He's just been staying quiet, clearly. I mean, that's the smart thing to do. That's what your agent tells you to do. Be quiet. Don't do not do anything. But, you know, he can sound good on a phone call, look good on a Zoom, you know, praise and do all these things. I think he did that with the Raiders as well and some of these other instances. So, and we've heard him on Twitter do that. And then he goes back to his little rant. He's probably a little bipolar. I mean, who knows? But he's got issues, whatever that is. And I, we'll see how it works out, man. I don't like it. And, uh, you know, I hope I'm wrong because that, that's only going to benefit the Buccaneers. But I'm leaning on just what I'm seeing, man. A lot of proof out there that, that would say I'm, I'll be right. His agent needs to change his Twitter password and Instagram password. Lock him out of there. I already <laughs> see after the first game he's going to go on Instagram live. I mean, when Drew, when, when Drew Rosenhaus fires a client that yeah. I mean look Drew I've had Drew you know I switched over to Drew for three years after I left Tampa uh, after I excuse me after I left the Jets that's amazing to me so <laughs> it speaks volumes for yeah. sure. remember remember Drew stuck by Terrell Owens through all those through all the, yeah. the, the he never fired him he never yeah. fired him through so. through through push-ups on the driveway and sit-ups yeah he, he was out there so yeah that's saying something I never thought that Tom Brady and Antonio Brown would be back again together in this time in Tampa what a what a crazy year 2020 continues to be anthony beck you can follow him on twitter at anthony underscore beck check out spitting fire with beck and grassa beck's flight plan and walking the plank wherever you get podcasts and check them out too. jets pre and post game on their social media channels beck good hearing from you man always one of the best breaking it down and uh, we'll talk to you later in the season appreciate it guys thanks for having thanks, me thanks anthony 
That says goodbye to episode 45, the Dick Christie edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out in producing the show. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star rating and write in a nice review. You can also find us anywhere you get podcasts. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday previewing the Jets' potential bloodbath in Kansas City. Stay safe, folks.